Haji Mike, you're a multi-talented individual that has toured extensively throughout the world, promoting your own unique blend of music. Take us back to the beginning, how did it all start? Very few people actually ask me about all the different dimensions of my life. Most people are stuck on one or two things. But it's, it's great to be able to explain <laughs> how all this sort of happened, you know. Originally, I was doing a PhD in London. My first step into music was as a DJ. And I worked on the university radio station for five years. And I loved radio. And I also got into music journalism. And this was always going parallel with a sort of academic, whatever you want to call it, career. Because <laughs> I did a first degree in um, government and sociology. My second degree was in cross-cultural studies. I saw this short theatre in the West End with two sisters, not they weren't sisters, but I consider them my sisters, Eve Adam and Martha Lewis. And this was called the Donner and Kebab Show, which was partly, partly Sadiram, but some amazing singing. And they were singing very much, completely different vocally from what I was doing. But I was singing about that British Cypriot experience. And so I got inspired by people like that initially. I thought it would be good to do something and I stumbled across it completely accidentally to do something in reggae like this. And so I started doing my first sort of experiments, which started from about 1990 as Haji Mike. Unfortunately, I spent a long time trying to finish my PhD, largely due to my music, because the music took off in Cyprus. Never wanted to be a star, as Cat Stevens says, you know, it wasn't, wasn't what I intended. I just wanted to make a point that we exist, not just as British Cypriots, but as Cypriots in a musical sense. I found myself becoming a sort of specialist writer in reggae music, which I really, I was very passionate and still am, you know, I still do it. So I just wanted to make a contribution, really. I've always felt the need to kind of like put Cyprus on the map musically. In the 80s and 90s, roughly 30 to 40,000 people came back to Cyprus from England, Canada, USA, South Africa, Australia. All over the world, you've got Cypriots. Something happened during that time. I wasn't the only person doing something. You know, tens of thousands of people coming back and bringing things back with them. I think this has played a really important part in changing culture in Cyprus because we didn't just come back for nostalgia's sake, we came back because especially our generation, if we was in our 20s and 30s or even younger, uh, we came back because we wanted to, you know, because this is, this is our place of origin. And of course the other factor in all this is tourism, which happens a little bit later in terms of musical tourism with places like Napa and Buffos and stuff like that, but I think that is again linked to these Cypriots from abroad. You know, the first person to bring dance music to Cyprus in terms of Ayanna by way anyway, uh, is a bloke called Nick Power, who basically was a British Cypriot who had a record shop in Haringey. And he came and set up the Core Club, which was one of the most famous clubs in Ayanna. Um, 
in my very small way, I did the same thing in Bafos. You know, I started in Bafos, I didn't start anywhere else. How has your music evolved from then to the music you're producing now? At some point I started thinking, I want to say things about Cyprus. I've written a lot of poetry. I want to do my poetry as performance and record it as performance. And I want to do things all in English because that's just what I want to do. The whole liberating fact of being an independent artist is you haven't got a record company telling you what to do. Because a record company would have said to me, right, we need another five songs by Mragama for the next five albums. You've got to have one like that every time. I didn't do that. But the next album, Aphrodite's Dream, was completely different. There was a song on there, Maro Maria, which again was about infidelity. It's quite a fun song. Again, with Gringlish lyrics and stuff like this, but that was completely different from Mragaman. It wasn't really so reggae influenced. My first album, there's spoken word poetry, When Cyprus Becomes One, which is a heavyweight track, and it was my most popular song of all time. And that got on a compilation in Japan of spoken word poetry, which sold 20,000 copies. Your dub poetry has appeared on many underground artist creations. For those who are not familiar with this form of performance poetry, how would you define its style and purpose? My first encounter with dub poetry was with, with the godfather of dub poetry, Lyndon Kwesi Johnson. So when I was a student, he came and performed with John Cooper Clark, who's a punk rock poetry performer, phenomenal guy. And it was both of them solo, there was no music. It was just reading or performing their poetry. And I've always been inspired by his work and other people's work from that time. I was going through this sort of parallel phase, really. DJing, Greek weddings, clubs. Clubs I was playing reggae, Greek weddings, was paying my rent, really, you know, it was the bread and butter. Parallel to that, I was releasing my songs. And parallel to that, I was doing a lot of performance poetry as solo, like going somewhere with another 10, 20 people and reading three or four, performing three or four poems. And that started to take off for me. I've come to a point now where I'm, I see it more as spoken words. So it's not even poetry, it's a spoken word performance. And it doesn't have to rhyme, it could just be abstract. You know, like the recent single that I did, The Wild, is all about a call to live, you know, a more natural way of living, away from the toxicity of what we're being fed all the time on social media. In 2018, you co-founded a new studio in Nicosia called Blind Dog Media. Tell us about that. We develop a lot of interesting stuff from there and it's just a place where people can you know, not, not worry about looking at the clock and how much they're going to be charged. Because a lot of studios are like that. You know, it's just a passion really, it's not. We're not doing it to become millionaires, we're, we're doing it because we love music. Our personal mantra is express yourself. I've always believed that. And, and just do it. You know, don't, don't let anyone hold you back.